0: before we got here if we we made soul contracts and we decided we needed to meet this person to flush out this challenge to get us to grow to become a better version wisdom erases karma as we work on ourselves and discover and have these insights and let go of the ego and make sense of things and learn that that from them our personal Personally, we grow as human beings, but we also affect the consciousness of humanity, which is great, and we clear our karmic
1: debts. Welcome to Soul Sisters Get Real, the show that goes deep in who we really are and why we are really here. We're your hosts, Karen from the States and Lenny from Australia.
2: We've had heartfelt conversations as Soul Sisters for years, and we're ready to
1: share our truths, stories, and life lessons with you. And to inspire you to connect to your truest essence, which resides deep within your soul. There'll be tears, there'll be laughter, and there'll be no holding back. So sit back, relax, and let's get real about the things that
2: truly matter. Hello, we are so excited today to welcome Randy Light, founder of Enlightened Living Hypnosis Academy. Randy is an award-winning hypnotherapist, hypnosis instructor, author, healer, and peak performance coach. And today we are going to talk about karmic debt and unconditional love. So as we get started, welcome, Randy, we are so excited
0: to have you here. Oh, I love being with my soul sisters. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you.
2: I know. We're so excited. So I just saw Randy a week or so ago at a hypnosis conference, and the three of us hung out together in New York and St. Louis, and Randy is truly one of our soul sisters. So we have some really great stuff to talk about today. And again, thank you so much for being here.
1: It's my pleasure. This is really exciting. I love the three of us being together like this because the three of us hung out in so many different cities in, in the States with, you know, at the different hypnosis conference because we're all hypnotherapists. And um, yeah, I've got so many fond memories of running around New York City and rooftop bars <laughs> with, with Randy. So welcome, my beautiful soul sister. <laughs> oh, it's just so good to see you again. Yay. So We're really excited about speaking about your spiritual awakening in our podcast. So in this episode, can you tell us, we're going to go through what actually happened, what the insights, what the the learnings were, what, what helped transform your whole perspective and belief system in the world. But before we do that, let's go back a little bit and can you just paint a picture of your life just before your spiritual awakening?
0: Well, I mean, it really, we have to define what a spiritual awakening is. All I know, I I, I actually can't necessarily even say what happened other than, I I mean, what got me wanting to take a chakra healing class? When I was in my early 20s, I just remember wanting to take this class. I think I started looking into yoga. I was always into astrology, even when I was in fifth grade. And I'm a Libra, so it was very easy to. You know, most Libras usually fit into the mold of things that you read in horoscopes and astrology. So I was like, oh my God, what is this? That's so me. But I remember in my early 20s taking a chakra healing class. But back then, they taught you to suck sickness out of the chakras. And so it was a new thing for me. Now we do it the opposite way. But when I was practicing on one of my girlfriends and I got to her sacral chakra, I literally felt a blast of energy go into my hand. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. I felt something. I mean, I, that was it felt a physical thing from her releasing. And I was sick for like 48 hours. So. That ended my career sucking out people's sicknesses. But but that really got me to look at that there is something more to this. But really when I met my first soulmate, my son's dad, and I mean, we, so many miracles happened when we first came together, but I knew I knew him before. And so then everything I'd been diving into and thinking about Was like, oh my God, that's real. It's real. I know him. That means past lives are real. That means spirits real. Everything. And so that probably did the most for me is falling in love. And I, boy, did I fall in love hard. Hard. But I also then we also worked with a medicine man, and so I did that for six years in California, and did all kinds of ceremonies with the Lakota people and peace dances, sun dances, vision quests, you know, sweat lodges were every month. And that was fascinating. And I could talk a lot about that. But those are the things that really woke me up. And that was a long time ago.
2: That is so fascinating, Randy. So you don't really have many people during their spiritual awakening is, you know, a, a significant event that happened in our life. And you, it seems like you kind of eased into it and you looked into it. And then tell me a little bit about the medicine man that you worked with in California.
0: Oh, it was such a fascinating time. Uh, it's we, so I was the Green Pledge Coordinator for Earth Day 1990 in San Francisco. There were four hundred thousand people that came to this event in nineteen ninety. Nineteen seventy was the big thing. Now I have a master's degree in environmental education, and I was I, I was went through a stage where I was pretty self righteous and I was really mad at what people were doing for the to the planet, you know. But I ended up getting a master's in environmental education, and I was on that journey and living in San Francisco, at, and we at, it was. All these I could go into so many stories and i'm I'm going to stay focused on the question, but we ended up finding out that we could go with these people to the Rosebud Indian Reservation to Rosebud south Dakota and be the helpers forgot what they call this the supporters for this the Sundance ceremony at Crow Dog Paradise with Leonard Crowdog, who's pretty famous. So my medicine man worked with Leonard, but also Leonard's dad, Henry Crowduck. And so they're famous. They're in all the history books because uh, Leonard was part of the American Indian movement. And they, uh, Mary had a baby in, uh, while they were being shot at, at Wounded Knee, okay? And so they ended up getting married, Leonard and Mary, and and he took care of the baby, that so I ended up going to this ceremony that that changed my life and I you're there eight days and I there's it's there's so much magic, but that's mm-hmm. where we met our medicine man uh, Luciano Perez and he stayed attached to the tree for the four days of the ceremony like. Like literally attached, right, with his skin to to the tree of life. And that's a whole incredible story. But he was this incredible human being. And he trained with Henry. Now, the the thing that makes uh, uh, Leonard Crowduck stand out is because his dad wouldn't let them take him away. So all the the younger kids had to be taken away and going to white people's boarding schools. And they would, he wouldn't let Leonard. So Leonard was really trained in the old ways. And so was my medicine man. And, and then, but he lived in California and I lived in California. And so we would do sweat lodge ceremonies in the, uh, redwoods every month we had four couples and we were dedicated we'd set up an outdoor kitchen we would do so many spiritual things and what fascinates me whether it was at the Sundance, the peace dance or any of these ceremonies the sweat lodges is what i discovered now being a hypnotist is that it in a way it was a form of hypnosis right people Mm -hmm. were getting into an altered state of consciousness doing these ceremonies and miracles would take place miracles after miracle people getting pregnant um people healing from diseases i mean it it was incredible and the beauty and the love and the connection that all of this um showed me Mm. you know now that i'm a hypnotist i'm like oh that was hypnosis
1: yeah i love that so When you connect all the dots, like in terms of your journey, and you said that when you first started, you had this feeling that you wanted chakra healing, and then you fell in love with your first husband, which led you, and then you had this medicine man experience and you had these events happening that were miraculous. When you look back, it all feels like, you know, the the dots were joined miraculously. So how do you feel from a higher perspective, all of that actually came about? What is your belief system about, well, how did you want to do that chakra healing when other people don't want to do things like that? How did that even come into your mind? Do you believe that this is something your soul organized before you reincarnated all these events to happen? Tell me about, you know, your belief system around all that, Randy.
0: Well, I'm getting chills just thinking about answering those questions. So I don't even know where uh, where it's going to go. but that was the thing that blew my mind also about Michael, my son's dad. When we met, we, we were doing some volunteer work for this woman who was a landscaper and astrologer and she did our charts and it, we, our nodes of the moon were in the same location, which means you have a karmic debt. So we, we all, we had agreed to be together and do something. And, when we got together, I mean, we looked exactly alike. We weighed about the same. We both had brown curly hair, green eyes. He was short. It, and it, it was, we both were, the numerology, we were both number 22s and magic happened everywhere. I fell so in love that my vibration was, I mean, like our his roommate, you know, Michael's roommate decided to write his wedding vow and like read them to us like we went to the beach there was a whale a bluebird came and spent the night with us and ate michael's uh seeds and offerings for the spirits so definitely predestined karmic debt and the thing that i think of now is people have these ideas of soulmates meaning That it's like, oh, it's going to be all rose-colored glasses. You know, everything's beautiful. And it's like, no, it's, you know, a lot of times it can be like a karmic debt, right? That you are working through to heal, to become a better you.
2: I love that. Thank you for sharing that because it really does speak into how you can be deeply, deeply in love with someone. And yet there is a certain journey or a path that we are to, like, that's what our life is supposed to be. And it doesn't mean that when you had that relationship, that it, you weren't deeply in love.
0: No, we were so, so in love. Like, it, it, Like I'm even scared to, because I'm looking for soulmate thumber, number three right now, right? Because I had another one. But I don't want to say I want to fall in love again, because I fail. Like, I didn't know who I was. I, like, I lost myself, right?
1: Yeah, I love it.
0: But here's the thing I do. One of my big takeaways, all this magic happened. We were in love, and I truly felt like love could save the planet, okay? I was already thinking I was here to save the planet. Like, I really, you know, that's how that youth, Energy is. Oh, I can save the planet, right? I mean, yeah. I'll do. You know, I can do whatever it takes. I'll save Mother Earth. You know, and but I did really believe that love could do that, and and I, I really felt like that, and all this magic happened. And how I've applied that in my life today as a hypnotherapist is, it, you, you guys know, with the Essential Four. And the, the book and the program, like people, if you want to work with me privately, you have to sign an agreement to promise to stop self-criticism, right? To become your own BFF, to learn to love and accept yourself. And that is the essence, I believe, of everything. Because as we love ourselves, our vibration gets higher. We have a more positive effect on the planet. We bring into uh, more, more positive things into our life and can handle more things because we know we have each other's back. And we are so much more intuitive.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And with this self-criticism thing, Randy, it's like it's so interesting because when I hear people criticize themselves, it's just so jarring to me. Like I can't even bear it. My mum, even my mum, who's nearly 92, does this about herself all the time. She actually thinks it's a good thing because that you shouldn't big not yourself. She's very, very Christian and she holds Christian belief systems. And she constantly, even though she's able to do everything at nearly 92 if she forgets something she'll say I'm such an idiot like I've lost my mind I'm such an idiot I said mum most people your age don't even know their own name like you're amazing (laughs) you're amazing you know please stop calling yourself these names and yeah in terms of what you said about people making an agreement with themselves that they won't criticize like I can't even imagine criticizing myself and when I hear other people doing it to themselves, it just stands out, and yet this is the way that they're used to living and the way they're used to going through life. So yes, yeah, absolutely, so important. But this is something you said, Randy, in in your last discussion that I just want to clarify for listeners because I know that you know some of these terms are um, normal for us to hear, and others are like the first time they've even heard it. So, what does karmic debt? mean because it's interesting that you said that you fell in love with your soulmate who was your first husband um, immediately and you knew that you're in love because there were so many there were so many um, synchronicities that were happening around you and interestingly you said you looked alike and I thought my first husband and me they thought that we were um, brothers and sisters <laughs> they always used to say is that your brother because he looks so much like me so how did you know there was a karmic debt and explain what it is and how it can be paid back?
0: Okay, let's let's dive in here. Well, first, the first signal was that this lady told us that we have our nodes in the moon, nodes of the moon in the same location and those words came out of her mouth that we have a karmic debt, which meant we've been together before. And it means so that we have things to work on. So now I can I can bring all the knowledge since that time, right? Because that was years ago, into the understanding. It, even though I was very deeply, totally in love, had done the falling in love energy. I mean, I loved Michael so much, like I forgot about myself, I did notice we were young. I had self-esteem issues, right? I had a critical role model. My mom didn't just criticize. I don't even know if she criticized herself, but she certainly criticized everybody else and especially me. So that affected my concept of me and my self-concept. And so that would show up, right? You'd get, so in relationships, we get mirrored, right? We, it mirrors our weaknesses our dark sides it like flushes out but when you're you know if your neuroses clash if you will right so my dark side or my emotional side and someone else's emotional side and we're in a relationship are clashing me then we can both be really upset and do like the same kind of negative energy and it just can Cause big fights, basically, right? Or whatever it is. If you don't fight, you just don't talk. So it 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 was a very big major roller coaster. And so w- the thing is, is that as we go through relationships, and we discover and grow and become a better version of ourselves, because that is the key, and learn to love ourselves, right? So it. It teaches us how, that's what the relationships, that's what the karmic debt, it's different for everyone. Everyone has, you know, we, We before we got here, if we we made soul contracts and we decided we needed to meet this person to flush out this challenge to get us to grow, to become a better version. Now, I truly believe that uh, wisdom erases karma. And like Dick Sutphin was big into saying that. So as we work on ourselves and discover and have these insights and let go of the ego and make sense of things and learn that that from them, our personal, personally, we grow as human beings, but we also affect the consciousness of humanity, which is great. And we clear our karmic debts. We learn the lessons that we decided we would learn before we got here, not necessarily with grace and ease right?
2: Right.
0: (laughs) But we learn them. And that is what I prefer to learn my lessons now with grace and ease.
1: Right. What, What you just said, though, is fascinating. So I've got to say something about that. You just said we can repay our karmic debt with wisdom. So you're basically saying that just with knowing better we've repaid it. You don't actually have the belief that we actually have to do something in order to repay the karmic debt. You just believe that just by, oh, recognizing that you were acting out of ego, recognizing that the higher perspective is completely different. That way we can repay the karmic debt. You don't have to actually take action and physically do something to correct karmic debt. Is that what you're saying, Randy?
0: So if, so let's just, I'm going to answer that, but I'm going to come back to it. Let's pretend that isn't true for a moment. And we go through this experience, right? To pay back our karmic debt. What's the outcome of that, right? We learn something. We discover about ourselves or we discover we may, we get this wisdom, right? So that's the end result either way. So it can be done through deep wisdom and understanding and forgiving and letting go, right? Or get hit over the head with a baseball bat to learn our lessons, right? They're Both the outcome is the same. So it's the outcome we're after.
1: Absolutely. So just so that we could have a real concrete example, are you able to share like what was your lesson with that relationship what was the karmic debt and what did you realize what was the high perspective
0: well i am not sure if i can say some you know the, I, okay i can cuz what just popped into my head was learning to love myself right that you know being able to love myself i have i think it's a bigger broader thing but i've had uh belly issues right colon issues and and so learning to love myself and recognizing when I'm worrying or anxious, because I, I, I'll i say I was a worrier, and now I say I'm like a warrior. Thanks. So all of that are my lessons to learn to love myself internally, not externally, not have to have people telling me they love me in order to love me or to see me or to recognize me and to be able to be at peace with humanity and be at peace with what's happening in the world. So I I think that sometimes there are little blocks of wisdom or stepping stones, but for the bigger main cause, if you will, the bigger main thing for us to grow and heal and experience joy on earth and to learn each lesson and basically to have fun, experience joy, be present and stay in a high vibe as much as possible.
2: Yes. So I have something very interesting. I had, a conversation with uh, in one of the conversation with the angels that we did not too long after Josh died, and she was a woman that channeled the angels, and one of my questions was is uh you know wh- what was Josh's purpose in in this life here or my purpose in this life here with him when he passed away, my son, in the motorcycle accident and it was interesting the answer was uh, that it was for him to learn to love himself and to love you and you had been many lives together and you had promised to do it again and again and again and again until that lesson was learned and many times it wasn't learned and so the karma was neutralized in this life because i taught him how to love himself he knew how to love himself and how to be loved by me and his contract was complete which wow. at first, when I first heard that, I was a little taken aback. And the next morning, I remember waking up and being very sad and crying and thinking to myself, how, how did he just decide it was over? Like, how can that be? And of course, I loved him. I was his mom. I loved him to death. And he did love himself. He was so successful. And he had gone through some tough trials in his life. And so I had to process it for a bit because I was like, well, that doesn't mean his life was supposed to be over yet. It really was a beautiful thing to learn to that. He did love himself and that he knew how much I loved him. So on that note, yeah,
0: that's, that's a, that's a big deal to learn to love yourselves. I mean, on my website is a love yourself quiz like to, to check in to see where you're at and then go back and check in again. Right. Because there's levels, right. There's levels of it. And yeah, that's a weird, interesting thing. And you said, you know, love him to death. Like, isn't that interesting yeah. that yeah. you just said that? And, and there's no way you loved him to death. You loved him. Right. And, but I, I feel like they're when kids go early that they're they're master teachers They're master teachers, right? We, you know, we have our own, I mean, I love that. And I think that's great that you could take that, that your energy and his energy were at the right place at the right time to help someone love themselves, you know? And, but he had, so he had reached a level that very many people are trying to get to. And he had done, he had done
1: it. He had
0: done it. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Well, uh, Karen is also a master because how many people would agree that yeah, this is what we're gonna do when we reincarnate is um my son's going to pass before me? Like it's it's the there in my mind, there is nothing more fearful, nothing more painful, nothing more courageous. It's like the ultimate yeah. sacrifice. So in order for you know, your your soul current and for you to actually agree to something like that. You know, because as humans, we can't envisage ever agreeing to something like that. And yet, it's the biggest sacrifice possible. Like, there is no bigger sacrifice.
0: I agree.
2: Yeah, I've said that many times. Like, what was my soul thinking? And I do feel a connection to Mother Mary uh, because I do get it, you know, when I think about Jesus and being on the cross and, you know, the sacrifice that she made, knowing that was coming. I think about that often, like, (laughs) oh, well,
1: here
0: here you are. I mean, talk about that courage and vulnerability and that combination. And here you are, because I know people who have been sexually abused and gone through different experiences and lost children um, and would want to do something like this but don't have whatever it is you have, Karen, to do it, to be the soul sister getting real and to be able to help others heal because of your journey. I know they want to, but you're actually doing it.
1: Yeah, Thank you. absolutely. So with regards to um, Randy with your first husband, um, I- I'm just fascinating just to tie that tie that little story up, which is, not little story, but quite a big story, where you were so in love, you had these incredible profound insights that you learned to love yourself as a result of the relationship, and then the relationship ended. Do you feel like it ended because the lesson was learnt? Oh, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. No! I did
0: not love myself because of that relationship. If anything, okay. it was the opposite. It has taken me so long to learn to love myself oh my god I went through another long super long-term relationship like 16 years and and that one helped me but literally I swear to god you guys um I have one friend who has been in my life for a few years she actually lost her husband a couple years ago and um, I'm like, Nancy, you are the one person I truly feel unconditionally loved by. I've never experienced it, sorry. It's like I get this incredible feeling, but I've not experienced it. Not mm-hmm. by my people in my life, I mean, my son, but you know that that's different when they're younger than you. But yeah, I've not experienced it till recently, mm-hmm. like in the last few years.
2: That's beautiful. I, I have someone that I know too, that I uh, recognize has never felt unconditionally loved. And, you know, part of that is not our, we can't help someone feel unconditionally loved. We can love them. And yet that's an inside job, isn't it? To feel unconditionally loved. Yeah. yeah. And I'm at of place. place. Yeah, and also What's the it? pieces, like having someone that loves you no matter what, because we all mess up, right? We all mess up as humans, and yet it's also that at what point when at what point do we accept it as an unconditional love?
1: Yeah, and what does that actually mean as well? Like for me, after my spiritual awakening, the meaning of unconditional love changed and had a different meaning. It was more the Oh, so this is unconditional love. I thought that I unconditionally loved so many people in my life, but yet there was a condition, right? The condition was that they needed to, you know, treat me in a certain way or they needed to be around me in a certain way. So that's a condition, that's conditional love. So even when we think that we unconditionally love someone, we don't necessarily, even our own children. We have expectations of them and so now I realise that what it means for me, I don't know what it means for you, Randine, I want to hear what it means for you, but for me it means there's nothing that this person could do, nothing, even in the moment, even if they're the most ungrateful, um, they don't give me any love back, they don't send any love my way. I love them so much and I don't have any... Resentment, I don't have any expectations. They don't have to do anything different, even for themselves, even for their own life. Because I know prior to my spiritual awakening, I expected certain things from my son. Like what I expected was for him to be happy. And I wanted him to be happy and show up in a certain way. That's what I really wanted for him. And then I realized no, it's however he wants to live his life. So, what is it for you, Randy? What's unconditional love? for you.
0: Well, remember I'm a baby, I'm a beginner, I'm a, in kindergarten with unconditional love. Now, I feel like I can like, lo- you know, I love you guys. I love the world. I feel loved. Like, you know, I show up and, you know, that I feel very connected and it's one of, you know, so it's one of the high love not love languages, but of the six human needs. So, but what I've noticed that this person is capable of that most people aren't is that I, whatever I do, she's, she's not going to judge me. Whatever I tell her, like Mm -hmm. I have some friends that they just lose it. If I tell them something that's not in their frame of mind, I'm like, Oh my God, you know, it's different than telling and talking to hypnotists who get, get that right. Who, who we know how to sit and listen to someone without going, You know, and like, right, that's our job. So I feel like what I'm discovering about this person is part of it is her, right? It's how she has decided to show up and who she wants to be and to love unconditionally. And I feel that I do my best to do that for people as well, right? And then people feel safe. They feel like they can communicate. And as hypnotists, I think we do that naturally. So I it's basically the judgment thing and we know we're judging machines right but we 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 want to do our best to be more of observers and love people anyway and right now it's a big deal like my son is here he's looking for work and I'm always wanting to help him try to find his career right and want him to be happy and so what happens we we could we can we but we have discovered how to get if we butt heads and then process it a little bit and then get back to love. And that I could never do with my past two long-term relationships, but I'm ready to be able to do that. And I think that's a little bit more tangible of what love and unconditional or universal love can be.
2: Absolutely. You know, and I wanted to hit on that point is you're ready. You're ready to do that. And the key is finding someone else that also knows how to love unconditionally Mm. right it's almost like it's a learning for us because when we love ourselves we learn how to love others unconditionally because it is a non-judgmental space and the key for you which I know you know this is getting out there and finding someone that also loves themselves enough to love you unconditionally
1: yes Yes. but I I don't think she needs to look for that person I think that person already exists (laughs) You know, I know it's just terminology, but Randy, I don't believe that you need to find anybody. That person at the right time when they are ready, when they're at your standard. They they're just going to come into your life like magically. You don't have we don't you don't have to look for them. It doesn't mean you don't take action, of course. So that doesn't mean that you don't <laughs> take action and think you're looking for them. <laughs> But somehow they're just going to arrive in your life. I mean, that's what had happened with me. You know, when I was at a point where I was completely okay with myself and um, I was in love with myself, I didn't look for a relationship, but the person came into my life and we, didn't, we both did not expect that it was going to go that way. And, you know, it's just such a blessing and there's so much gratitude there. Yeah, that person's already there. Like that relationship has already happened. Yes,
0: past, present, and future all happen simultaneously, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Really
1: quantum field. Yeah, but this this whole topic about unconditional love is so huge because, yeah, it's such a huge thing as to even when we think that it's unconditional what is the condition even the condition of wanting your son to be happy because i relate to that because that's what my condition was when i let that go he became happy when i let the the need for him to be happy go because i was holding on to i just want him to be happy i just want him to be happy i just want him to be happy that's all i cared about my whole life was revolved around my son being happy and then when i said you know what this is his journey and the way that he lives his life is up to him. And he will he will find happiness in whatever way it comes his way. And it may not be this year. It may not be in five years. may not be in 10 years. The moment I literally let that go, like cut that need off for him to be happy, he was happy.
2: Yeah. Fascinating. That's the, right. That's the wanting, right? The more we want doesn't happen. Although with unconditional love, what comes up for me is that we can have unconditional love for someone and still not like some of the stuff they're doing. So when I think about unconditional love for my boys and others that are in my life, it doesn't mean I approve of 100% of what they do. It doesn't mean that I think that they should uh, do something that like they're choosing to do, that it's right. And yet, even with the choices they make, which can be bad choices sometimes... I still love them with all of my heart. So for me, it's not about what you're doing or if I like what you're doing, it's no matter what you're doing or whatever you do, I will still love you and I still love you deep in my heart. And most of the way I can explain that is how we feel as parents is, you know, that's the easiest unconditional love is toward our children.
1: Yeah, but also then to look at the perspective of, who says that what they're doing is bad? That is just right. a subjective opinion, right? Like, And to right. actually to ask ourselves that question, like we think it's bad. Like I used to think it was bad that my son would game for so many hours a day, but that's where he was at that point in time in his life. I used to think it would be good for him to get out into nature and to connect with people and the earth and so on. But that's what he needed at that point in time. So who says that was bad? Like it's our own programming that says this is bad, this is good. But it's all part of the journey, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong or good or bad. It's I don't think it's okay, but I still love you.
0: So yeah, it's Okay. Yeah. So that's the that there's the examples of the karmic debt, right? So it's not just with a, a, a an intimate partner, but our children, right? So so you know, that's a similar thing with my son and I, so, so him in my life and your son in your life going through being gamer. And we, we are, you know, we work with help people overcome anxiety and depression, right? we do this all the time and we know how to help people, but they have to want to be helped. But so there's this karmic debt we're working on for us to grow and you, it sounds like, Eleni, you figured it out. You figured out how to let it go. You you know, it took
1: a while, but you did it. And it's hard. And then- it was hard. It's, hard. it's really hard to let go of wanting, you, you know, your child to live a certain way because you want happiness for them, not because But you've got to realize that's for you. And so you need to let that go. It's hard. It's not easy. But once you do it, it's like a muscle that just continues to get stronger and stronger. You start to be able to let go of every belief system you have about anything, <laughs> anything, anything that you consider to be good or bad. It's like you look at everything and say, who said, who said that's good and who said that's bad? I don't even, I do my best to
0: not have those words in my vocabulary, good, bad, right, and exactly. wrong, right? Because, exactly. but never, but, Seriously, I, you know, get learning to let that go. That's our, our, that's our mother's journey as a mother. That's our journey, right? To be, and it's flushed out with, I, when I was younger, I was like, what do you mean? You're not doing the exact same thing I'm doing, right? It's with my first relationship, but you're me, I'm you, we're the same, right? We're like twin souls or whatever you, you know they call them these days, and and so and then I was like, wait, but you're not me, and now you're doing that, and I would never do that, and why are you doing that, and blah blah, you know, and then it was like, what? We're different people, and I, I'm not joking. Like I felt so. What do they have all those names for it now? And it's um, um, what's that called when two people are twin um, flame? Twin flame, but but when when on the 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 darker side of when we're codependent. We're, you know so there's some level of codependency and recognizing that no that you have your you're your own pillar, they're their own pillar, and there's a third relation- there there's the relationship that's a separate pillar, and same with our children, right there's us, there's you and your child, right so it's there's so everything is a lesson, everything is information everything and it's, yeah.
1: everything, every <laughs> single thing that happens to us every single. Um, connection we have with everyone else the way we relate the way we communicate how we feel when someone just comes into our space everything is a lesson so what is your biggest lesson Randy do you think at this point in time in your life that you having gone through all your experiences and challenges what is your biggest lesson Oh,
0: my goodness. That's Is that the question that you guys were talking about? My, no, okay. no. That's,
1: that's, that's not even what's that question. A,
0: <laughs> I was recently on a, another podcast with Sage, uh, and he's like, and what's your definition of God? I was like, you could have told me. <laughs> I mean, that's like, do we have all day? Like, how do you, you know? <laughs> So my biggest lesson is just really all I can think about right now, and how to answer that is pretty much what I've been answering. I've been single for nine years. I mean, I've dated and had long, you know, you know, a year and a half and different things, but I love my life. I love who I am. I I live in a community that somebody was calling like, it's like one of the blue zones because we it's a true community. It's a town of 600 homes. Um, We do have a lot of pollution nearby, but I feel like I have done some mastering of myself, of loving myself, of accepting myself, of being in with my, like really appreciating and enjoying my own company. And those, for me, are big lessons. It took me a long time. I got a taste of it when I was 25, when I met Michael. Like, I lived in the mountains of New Mexico. I My neighbors were a half a mile away, it, and they were just a fish hatchery. Uh, you know, I had, and I was like a really, you know, felt really empowered at that time. And that's when I met Noah's dad. And he flew out on a thousand mile blind date to meet me but then it flushed out and i recognized i had all these fears and didn't know necessarily who i was and didn't really necessarily love myself and believe in myself and recognize all my intuitive abilities and healing abilities and so now after two long term relationships and 9 years being on my own i've i have gotten to a level a new another level of where i really want to be and so i feel like then i have mastered some things and now I'm ready for soulmate number 3 right because it's time for my soul to grow again.
2: I love it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And those are the lessons it are the the ones that feel harder we actually grow more with. And uh yeah, and there's so many lessons in our life, but I love where you're at. I love that you love to be by yourself and it sounds to me like you love yourself enough that you're ready to give away also a lot of love because you have a lot of love to give. And I tell my clients that also as a hypnotist is when we love ourselves, we become more lovable and give space
1: for others to love us so we can give it back.
0: Ooh, yeah, I like
1: that. Yeah. So, Randy, this podcast is called Soul Sisters Get Real. What does that phrase mean to you
0: well i love it okay and i'm gonna cry <laughs> that's soul sisters getting real right like i i've i'm interviewed a lot on podcasts and i've never experienced this whatever this is soul sisters getting real like
1: mm.
0: so just let's say that like i i feel like my second relationship, um, my second long-term relationship, it didn't, at the end, neither one of us could get real. We couldn't take off that final mask. I didn't feel safe. I wasn't safe for me. If he would have, I would have. But I, and I, it, that's what I love about this. Like, we're vulnerable, we're courageous, we're talking from the heart and saying deep, real things and 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 i feel safe talking with you guys i feel comfortable i don't have to put on a mask or like i'm presenting right now and being i'm i'm in a a bubble with you guys because this is the podcast soul sisters get real we get real it's deep heartfelt
1: beautiful Love that! I've got goosebumps all over my body as you were speaking. It was like, oh, thank you so much, my beautiful sister. I love you so much. Oh, it's so good to finally see you again.
0: I mean, I, Karen and I have been seeing each other. That's why I'm, I'm loving up on Lenny, but and I love being with Karen. We've been we walked in a bunch at the conference and processed together, and it's just so good to be with you guys. And I love what you're doing and keep doing this. And I hope it just reaches thousands and thousands and thousands of people because people need to get real
2: yay thank Thank you. you thanks for joining us what a great conversation loved it thanks for tuning in we hope you loved it and if you did subscribe to the podcast we would so love
1: it if you write us a review and share it with your friends and remember always connect to your truest essence and choose love we'll see you next time